Welcome to the Sisters of Resistance podcast for the week of February the 5th, 2018. The speakers on this podcast sometimes use bad language, and so listener discretion is advised. Hey, find us on Stitcher at Sisters of Resistance and find us on iTunes at Sisters of Resistance, all one word, and then find us on SoundCloud at Sisters of Resistance. And then find us on Podbean at Sisters of Resistance, all one word, at podbean.com. And then finally, find us on Sisters of Resistance on Facebook. And you can email us at sistersofresistance3 at gmail.com. So we have some exciting news. We are now on iTunes and we are now on SoundCloud. So I'm very excited that we're on there now. We've had 2% of our listeners now listen on iTunes. So Anyone listen, listens to us on iTunes, please leave us some feedback. Let us know what you think of us. If you want to give us a five-star rating, that would be awesome. Um, but we will accept any rating. Um, so here we are in the, another week, and my sisters are here, Franny McIntyre and Meg McIntyre Sundin. Meg, why don't we start with you? How are you doing today? Well, I'm, I'm doing very well, and I am so excited that you have now placed uh, the Sisters podcast on a broader network of distribution. And why I think that's be helpful is, so our listening house, specifically Stephen Miller, was involved in drafting the Nunez memo. Uh, no confirmation on Stephen Miller, but it is pretty clear that the, uh, the White House was involved with the memo. And okay. then also this, yes. Okay, Did that you- sounds good. No, we're gonna, we're gonna, I just wanted to get to find out how Franny's doing and to, let me check in with her and see how she's doing. Franny's just fine. Um, One of the things that I had missed in all of the news that comes out of the Trump administration is that um, our president has now set uh, NASA uh, back on the course to the moon. Um, uh, Obama had us headed for for Mars, but he wants us to grab no more Mars. Now it's the moon. Ah. Um, And he has put Vice President Pence in charge of it. I read a uh, op-ed piece about it this weekend. um, And I for me, it seems like, didn't we already go to the moon? Um, you know, why are, we, why are we going back to the moon? I don't understand that. I'm sure that there's a good reason for it. Uh, a Trump hotel. Exactly. I think he figures there's oil up there. That's what I think. Um, so other than like trying to not watch the stock market um, and my brokerage account, I'm uh, otherwise ready to go forward here, Reggie. Great, 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 great. So Meg, I'm going to swing back to you. Oh, who would like to go first? Um, we had a, well, I'll, I'll, I'll flip a coin. Ding! Okay, Franny, you're going to start with you. Here we go. <laughs> That's what happens when you're oldest. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, like Meg said, you know, we had kind of uh, anticipated last week uh, that our president would never voluntarily submit to an interview um, with Robert Mueller. Um, and that seems to have been borne out. That is the news that appeared yesterday uh, when John Dowd apparently um, let it be known that the president would not agree to sit down with, with Mullah. And so now um, the battle is joined. And so uh, I just wanted to go back over that a little bit and sort of predict for our listeners uh, what they might be watching on that story. Um, it will probably take a while to... Um, evolve, but uh, I, I rather suspect that not a lot of what's really going on 
is going to hit the public eye. Here's the position I take. Um, the next thing that could happen if the president were to refuse to come in voluntarily is the president could be subpoenaed to appear before the grand jury. Um, we know he's vulnerable to that. We know that um, President Clinton was obligated to appear in front of a grand jury, that that was issue was resolved by the United States Supreme Court. So that may very well happen. And then the battle is uh, further um, uh, resolved by taking the matter before a judge if the president resists this invitation, which is what the subpoena is really a court order to testify. Um, now, I suggest that probably the president will try to claim some um, uh, previously unheard of privilege relating to the fact that he's president. But again, as is well established, the presidency alone is no grounds to refuse to cooperate with a uh, legitimate law enforcement investigation. Um, but I believe that in the final analysis, if push comes to shove, when Mueller uh, tries to actually ask questions of Donald Trump, should that happen under whatever setting, whether it's at the White House or at a grand jury in a courthouse somewhere, Mueller will not be able to force Donald Trump to testify. Mueller will lose that battle if it goes before a judge. And that is not because Trump is the president, but because Trump has the privilege that every one of us Americans has, and that is not to testify or incriminate against ourselves. It's a Fifth Amendment privilege that anybody can invoke or exercise if it's a legitimate basis for it in any proceeding. Of course, um, there, as we've said before, but folks need to be reminded, um, people, innocent people, um, can invoke the Fifth Amendment because all of us are protected from being obligated to give up information that will in any way contribute to the prosecution. Uh, the, the, the legal standard is this, any link in the chain of evidence needed to prosecute. And if you just think about it, Donald Trump at this point could not go into any setting under, under, under coercion of a subpoena and admit that he was even the president without that being or that he was running for office at one point without that being a, somewhat of a link in the chain of evidence that we needed to consider either collusion or obstruction issues. And so the president, I submit, has a Fifth Amendment right not to testify, and he will be able to exercise that. However, it's, it's very, very important that, the, uh, that that exercise by any individual not be burdened in any way, that that individual not be caused to suffer any adverse effect from the fact that he's exercised an, uh, a constitutional right. That's uh, great care, with very great care. And how that will get preserved in this setting is what I'm very curious to see. I, I, I do believe that at some point, that's the way this will end up being decided. And that at that point, I can't imagine um, Robert Mueller going into a battle that he knows he's gonna lose without negotiating some way of preventing, in other words, I don't think it's gonna to come to public attention if Trump invokes the Fifth Amendment. I don't think it should come to public attention, 
but I don't think Trump will leave it. I'm sorry, Mueller will leave it so that Trump can put any explanation on it, any self-serving explanation on it and make Mueller look bad. I don't think Mueller will permit Trump to say things like it's a snake. I think that in the event that Mueller essentially concedes that the president has a Fifth Amendment privilege and doesn't force the issue because I think he's probably smart enough to know that it's probably a battle that he can't win. I don't think he'll concede that without negotiating some way in which Trump will publicly refer to that decision, to that Mm -hmm. resolution, I should say. I don't think that Mueller will back away from a battle that he can't win unless he has some assurance from Trump, Dowd, and um, Ty Cobb that the president is not going to get on his Twitter account and start calling out and blaming Mueller and his team for the reason why Trump has chosen not to testify. I think that it's going to be all sort of behind the scenes. And I think what you'll start hearing from Trump soon, and we should have been hearing it earlier, is my lawyer says I can't talk about it. My lawyer says I can't talk about it. You know, which any defendant ought to be doing in a, in a, in a criminal matter. My lawyer says I can't make any comment about that. But of course, Trump's been out front saying he's going to testify, tweeting about how he's been, um, you know, exonerated and all that sort of thing. So question, Reggie? Yeah, I don't think Trump has that level of control. I mean, he, you, you could probably get an agreement between him and Mueller and his attorneys, but I doubt that that guy has that level of control that he would not try to say, oh, see how I, you know, I pulled one over Mueller and Mueller's just the loser and blah, 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 blah. That's what, that would be one of my concerns. I just don't think he doesn't have that level of control. I, th- I think that, that may be absolutely true. And it just will be interesting. I just think there'll be an awful lot of behind the scenes negotiation that we shouldn't know about. It wouldn't be fair to know about, um, but that how they get characterized will be the interesting um, result here. Mm-hmm. Meg, do you have a comment on that? Well, I agree, Regina, that I do not think that 45 has a self-control. I believe that he will get very good advice from his attorneys, but no one can control the guy. And I think that he will start talking to the camera and say, if I could, I would tell him I'm in his, you know, just, I think he's a moron. Right. But I'm, I'm sure he's getting the best advice. Um, when he did say the other week that he would be, he was looking forward to testify. He then said, well, well if my, if my lawyers let me. So he is caught on somewhat. Yeah. I hope it gets sufficiently cowed that he can just shut up uh, and let this resolve uh, so that it doesn't turn into a, a terribly unfair characterization of a, of a valid exercise of a, cons- of a constitutional right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Indeed. Well, um, I just, I, I, again, I don't think the guy has a level of control. And it, it seems to me, Franny and, and Meg, that he, even the lawyers have no control over him. Nobody has any control over this guy. It's, it's nothing. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, and so then, if, if, if that is not possible, whereby Trump is unable to testify, then what we have then are Papadopoulos and... <laughs> Right, all those folks that we can and Manafort, which by the way, there was there is a on iTunes there is a, a podcast from the Atlantic magazine, and one of them is about Manafort uh, because there was an article about, regarding Man, Paul Manafort um, in the magazine. Anyway, 
this is an excellent podcast about Paul Manafort and how he was working for despots, you know, in these other countries. And $75 million worked its way in and out through, through his, um, you know, his, his, the, the townhouses and the homes that he owns, as well as the money he was able to garner as a result of working at, for the Ukraine. Yeah, that, uh, the Yugo Yugoshenko, his name, Yankashuko, whatever. Wow, that's a lot of money. Anyway, good podcast. Anyway, so if anyone's listening, you should really listen to it. Uh, Reggie, what I think it means at this point, though, is if he can't, if, if, if Trump declines to be interviewed, it may mean that this part of the investigation is beginning to draw to a close. Right. Because typically they would review all the underlings and cover all of that evidence and then go yeah. to the top of the organization. Right. So that's kind of a signal that the investigation, investigatory phase, not that they're ever going to say it's done and pull a plug on it. Yeah. Will always probably remain open, but at least this phase looks like it could be drawing to a close. And they are having the trials of Manafort and Papadop, I guess Manafort scheduled. Okay. Gates. I'm very interested in what's happening with Gates. Yeah. Um, apparently, it's really undisclosed, but his lawyers have withdrawn. He's got new lawyers. So something's going on there with Gates. Oh, good. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Well, that's the, we'll see how this, how it all falls out. And then Meg, uh, tell us, what were you thinking about talking about this week? Well, um, I just want to reflect what you were saying about Manafort, that uh, he yeah. was into despots before despots were cool. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I wanted to talk a little bit uh, about the insights I have received from Michael Wolff's book entitled The Fire and the Fury in the White House. I spoke about it a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, what I have learned uh, is that, that Trump, 45 character, again, he pretends to be an alpha male. Yeah. Uh, he is a creature of habit, Wolf says at a level that few people without despotic control of their environment could ever imagine. He's lived in the same space at the Trump Hotel since 1983, hmm. has his whole life worked out there. It's very upsetting for him to be out in public and also uh, traveling and hmm. being at the White House. It's interesting that among Trump's many neuroses, you know, he's confessed himself he's a germaphobe, is that, and he's afraid of being poisoned, mm -hmm. he has an absolute horror of forgetfulness or senility, huh. which I'm sure means that he has seen it uh, in his own family, because I know I have, and I certainly have a horror too. Uh, everyone around Trump describes him as having a twinkle in his eye and larceny in his soul. <laughs> But the key thing economically to remember is that 45 can't even read a balance sheet. Hmm. And he has a terrible inattention to details. I never want to make fun of someone who might have a learning disability, but I believe that's the case here. He has no ability to plan, or organize, pay attention to things, or switch focus. Uh, he can't connect the dots and he cannot appreciate cause and effect. And I think an example is this during the past few weeks when he has been crowing with pleasure about the almost unhealthy rise in the stock market. Oh yeah. And 
not understanding that by signing a big tax bill, which puts billions of dollars and which will encourage inflation, by getting rid of Janet Yellen at the Federal Reserve System and putting in his new guy, all this has caused the uncertainty in the market, which is causing it to drop. Mm. Although I don't expect that he will take any responsibility for it. I'm sure he'll find some way to blame it on Obama. Mm-hmm. He was in the real estate business, and this is a lightly regulated industry. Um, he, in the real estate business, you have substantial debt, frequent market fluctuations, yeah. and that's why it's a preferred tool for money laundering, mm. especially international money laundering and so it would take a very smart person to be who to be involved in new york and and international real estate and not get stuck in the glue of money laundering Mm. and i think we can pretty much say that he's not very smart in terms of numbers and economics yeah he can't let anyone around him have any power He cannot delegate. So that means that there's constant administrative chaos. But he likes that, and it makes him feel independent. He's a notorious womanizer, which does surprise me because I personally don't find him appealing at all. He wants his female staffers to wear boots, short skirts, and have shoulder-length hair. Now, I know, Reggie, you and I wear Doc Martin boots, but I don't think that's the kind of boots he's interested in. Uh, no. An example of his staff is include the lovely Hope Hicks. Talked about her briefly last week. Yeah. Um, again, a kid in way over her head, earning an enormous salary, one of the most highly paid federal jobs. And she purportedly said, that Donald Jr.'s emails about the meeting in Trump Tower with uh, the Russian attorney would never get out. Right. And I believe she could have said that because I can place myself in a position where I'm, if I were unprepared and inexperienced and yet trying to earn my big salary, I would probably make some pronouncements. (laughs) What I think her attorneys should have said is, uh, she might have said something like that, but she never, never meant Mm. that she was going to some deep six or hide these emails. Instead, they said she never said that, which they've kind of boxed themselves into a corner. But the attorney who was, the spokesman who was there at the time felt so strongly that he had to leave his job. He was afraid there was going to be obstruction of justice. Mm -hmm. So the final thing is that, and I will be talking more about the book, but that 45 style of governing could be characterized as, quote, regular, uncontrolled bursts of anger and spleen. And I think that describes what we have seen but it's also what makes him so appealing and has allowed him to tap into the hatred uh, of people who feel victimized by the world, by the government, by all circumstances. 45 is always the victim. 
And I would paraphrase Bill Mayer, who said that, you know, 45 thinks he's the victim. And then he says, when is a rich white guy, a rich white guy ever going to get a break? <laughs> so anyway, back to you, Reggie. Well, you know, I think you're absolutely right that his base loves the baseness of this individual. The fact that he can say, you know, say that, you know, Tammy Duckworth is treasonous because she did not stand up. I mean, it's just crazy. But they love this sort of thing. And, you know, whatever happened to decorum? I mean, why, why do we now have to uh, plea? Why do we have to get down to the lowest common denominator? Why does that have to be? If this is his base. It's, it's just terrible. Complete lack of decorum. It just doesn't exist anymore. And Reggie, for 45 to discuss movement by a disabled American veteran yeah. is, is unthinkable. It's really right. unthinkable that he would suggest, and if he thinks that's a joke, it is not a joke to a handicapped person anywhere. And, oh. Oh. He, and, and where, who, who would the Republicans are, are calling him out on this? Nobody is. It's not like they're all running with their tails between their legs outrageous that no one is taking a net and pulling you know pulling it over this stupid fuck's face frankly <laughs> shutting him up Jesus. i just I, it, it's so disheartening so disheartening so and you know the stock relative to the stock market i mean it just was untenable it could not it was not going to mm -hmm. just keep going up and up and up i mean anybody knows that you know we've lived through this long enough to know at some point it's going to burst you know and so maybe this is the correction that they've all been talking about that had to, had to come you know well i just i want to uh also underline your feeling of disgust and and for our listeners you know i don't want to be expressing the same sentiments every week mm. but this man continues to surprise and confound me with how base and vile he is um right now we're looking at another crisis of a continuing resolution and uh, he keeps changing his position on DACA and mm. the Dreamers, you cannot negotiate with a person who does not know what he wants. Mm. He just he just wants to have it as something to kick around. And he has announced today that he's not going to change the deadline on March 5th, which is something he pulled out of thin air. Right. And he has disrupted thousands and thousands of families across wow. the United States. And he uh, is, again, he is just despicable. Yeah. Yeah. That's about exactly right. Um, despicable is the word. Um, so what I pulled out this week, I have two things. Um, because I, uh, our friend D.R. Tucker, uh, he pulls all of these um, uh, uh, articles together. And, um, and so one of them, I, I, pu I pulled out two. One of which is, there is a vote in Massachusetts to uh, a vote advances the statewide plastic bag ban. And this article is from um, 
let's see, February the 2nd. And basically, well, what's happening here is the Commonwealth is um, uh, the Committee on the Environment and Natural Resources voted, voted 13 to 1 to give the redrafted bill a favorable, favorable report. So that means that they, the ban to, the, the proposal to, for plas to ban the plastic bags is moving forward, which is a lovely thing. And it says um, plastic bag, paper bags that are not made of recyclable materials would also be banned under this bill, which directs the Department of Environmental Protection to write regulations to enforce a policy around paper bags that are not recyclable. I thought it says, um, oh, here it is. Uh, supporters of plastic bags argue that the bags contribute, um, supporters of plastic of the plastic bag ban argue that the product contributes to pollution and they end up in landfills. Although the opponents say that the single use plastic bags are used for a variety of other purposes, such as lining waste baskets, holding wet clothing, and the most important one, Cleaning up dog poop. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And, and the one thing I, I did not know, which I thought was interesting, is the thin film, the, the thin plastic bags cannot be recycled in most places because they are so light, they get sucked up into the reclamation machines and then they get all the gears all screwed up. And oh. um, so they basically end up you know, flying all over the place in trees and streams on the beach, et cetera, cleaning up dog poop, you know? So I thought, well, that's, that's very, that's very interesting, Reggie, you yeah. know, how you see in any kind of recycling, they have this, the, the single streams recycling or yes. whatever they call it. Yeah. But they don't want you to put plastic bags in there. Right. That's right. why. Right. I, I thought that was very interesting. I did not know that. Uh, a colleague and I, when I was working for EPA, we had to go to a, there was a witness we had to locate at a tire recycling facility and it was like a ring of hell it was under a bridge in pittsburgh and this big giant machine and it's like it's like this maw of things going it was horrible and it was just it was amazing it was muddy it was a cold day it was cloudy it just was it was pretty amazing to see it a recycling facility for tires so that's the first one and then the second one is there was an article in the new in the new york times and this was, the title is called, Britain Considers a Latte Levy to Cut the Use of Coffee Cups. <laughs> now, I thought that was very interesting. And the problem, I didn't know this, but the problem is that disposable cups have a uh, laminated with plastic on the inside. And then it's difficult to pull the plastic apart from the paper. And because, because of that, because of that um, they're very hard to recycle. And I did not know this, but only one out of 400 paper cups gets recycled. So I thought oh. to myself, self, I'm always sucking down a, a cafe Americano in one of those laminated cups. So it really gives me pause to think about bringing my own cup to Starbucks, you know, a, a travel mug, and they will give you the coffee in that, you know, but... Um, but I think there are other, um, the Starbucks in Britain is considering a five pence uh, levy on the cup. So how much would that be, Meg? Do you know what a pence is worth, per chance? I thought, yeah? Or maybe I not. think it's, I think it's about a quarter. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, you know, um, 
So I just think that those are two things, you know, that, that I had not given too much thought previously, but I think having a ban on plastic bags is a great idea. And I'll certainly go along with uh, a, a tax on the, on the paper cups, for sure, because I sucked down a lot of decaf coffee. Anyway, well, that was it. What do you think? What do you yes. think about this whole cup? <laughs> I think it's a, a great notion because, you know, they're in the car, they're around. Yeah. They never make it. They never make it anywhere to get it into a recycling container. As far as I'm concerned, they're going to end up in the trash more often than the recycling. True, true. You know, just because of uh, because of proximity, I'm always mobile with them. You know, right here, or I can throw them in the recycling container. So right. That's but that's very interesting about the bags. I see the bags mostly in trees. It seems to yeah. me. I think they're horrendous. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, just off the top of my head, um, I feed the birds, and so. The bird seed bags, I just saw one today that's a recyclable, but generally speaking, I'm surprised that it does not say recyclable on them. Um, anyway, there you go. That's interesting, it. Reg. That's very interesting. Interesting, so, Reg. Interesting, Meg. They're both interesting yeah, reports. Yeah. So, um, so do we have anything else we want to share with our listeners? Okay. No, no, Reggie, not for me. I, I, I just always thought that those paper cups were so much better for the environment so frankly i'm i'm shocked really i'm shocked so. shocked shocked actually i'm shocked speechless <laughs> <laughs> but i will i will because i always put them in the recycle in the recycle bin yeah but now i know they're not recyclable who knew okay so listen um unless you guys have anything else um we will close by saying that because we believe it is our patriotic patriotic duty as citizens to speak out uh, we must insist that the reckless policies of the new administration not be accepted as normal. Hey, thanks, every, thanks, Franny and Meg, for being here. And my name is Reggie. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And don't forget to pick us up on SoundCloud and on iTunes. And leave us a report on what you think. And um, have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. Take care. Thanks Goodbye, everyone. Bye, everybody, and resist. <laughs> <laughs>